Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Gary Leela, and as you just heard, this is the Bitcoin for Boomers show. Now, I want to make sure and make one thing clear. This show isn't just for boomers. This show is for anyone who's interested in Bitcoin. I just happened to be a boomer, so I thought it was a clever name, Bitcoin for Boomers. But this show is for anyone that's interested in Bitcoin. You know, I discovered Bitcoin in 2017. And when I discovered it, I went heads first. I really got excited. I thought this was the greatest technology I had ever seen. And I jumped in full force. Now, in today's show, we're going to go over some questions and answers. Questions from fans of the show that they've sent in, and I'm going to try to answer their questions. Some good, some maybe not so good. We also have a guest. We have the Bitcoin rabbi, Rabbi Karras. He's going to join us, and we're going to talk about his book, a great book that he's written for children, a children's book called Bitcoin Money. Now, this book is written as a children's book, but it's why would I have someone who wrote a children's book on a show for boomers, you might ask. Well, this book is only a children's book in the fact that it's simplified and straight to the point. Yes, it's a children's book, but I'm bringing him on because he knows Bitcoin. He's a teacher, and his book teaches what Bitcoin is. And that's what we're trying to get across here, what Bitcoin is, what you can use it for, what it's doing to society, what its potential uh, future can be on society. So I hope you stay tuned long enough to enjoy the interview with the Bitcoin rabbi as we talk to him about Bitcoin. We'll hear his story about how he got into Bitcoin and a lot more. Now, also, I want to make sure you know that we do take questions, like I said earlier. And I'm saying this now because I can't say this enough. If you're interested in sending in a question you want us to answer, send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com. That's my personal email address. Send me your questions, and I'll answer them maybe on a future show. I'll try to bring them up so you can see them. Now, we're recording in Dallas-Fort Worth at the Biz TV studios. I want to thank Biz TV for giving me this opportunity to be on the air and tell you about Bitcoin. And every week for 12 weeks, it'll be season one, and this is episode number three of season one. So I hope you sit back, relax, tell a friend about us, call your neighbor, call your aunt, call your uncle, tell them they need to find out about Bitcoin and they need to watch this show. Because like I said, it's not just for boomers anymore. Bitcoin is for everyone. Hello, I'm Gary Leland, your host. Welcome to the Bitcoin for Boomers show. You know, I'm always so excited about this show. I'm always so excited about Bitcoin in general. It's one of the most amazing technologies I know. I just kind of get excited when I talk about it. Now, today on our show, we have quite a bit going on for you. We're still working on this show, trying to get our format down. As you know, this is, or you may not know, this is our third episode. But today, we have a nice interview for you with uh, the Bitcoin rabbi, the author of Bitcoin Money, that's Rabbi Karras. We also have questions for you, questions and answers we're going to start doing on this show. And in case you're not familiar with it, we do accept questions for the show. And the questions are on fire when we get them. I mean, it's amazing. And we're going to have, if you want to send in a question, 
send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com and we'll try to answer questions for you. Okay, so um, one more thing, a little housekeeping, I guess, before we go any further. I also want to make sure you know about the conference I'm putting on in Dallas, Texas. It's called BitBlock Boom. So if you're into Bitcoin, you really need to go to bitblockboom.com, check out the Bitcoin conference we're having, and it's a Bitcoin conference. Not a crypto conference, not a blockchain conference, but a Bitcoin conference, because all we talk about is Bitcoin at BitBlockBoom. So check that out today. Now, let's go on to a question. This is our first question, our first question on the show. So I want to introduce you to our producer, Travis Lydic. Travis, you said we got a question this week. That's correct, Gary. We have um, from Cynthia Davis in South Carolina. She says that I have been hearing about the Bitcoin halving, but I am not sure what that is. Could you please explain that to me? Well, Cynthia Davis from South Carolina, I'd be happy to explain the halving to you, and I'm going to do it quickly because we have a great guest to get to. But the halving happened uh, about a month ago. It happens every four years. And the amount, what it is, is the amount of new Bitcoins that are produced are cut in half. So when Bitcoin first started, there were 50 Bitcoins produced every 10 minutes. Then four years later, cut in half, there was a halving, and it dropped to 25 Bitcoins produced every 10 minutes. Four years later, it cut in half again to 12 and a half Bitcoins every 10 minutes. And now, as of about a month ago, it cut in half again to six and a quarter Bitcoins produced every 10 minutes. Now, if you think about it, there's less Bitcoins produced every four years since the amount's cut in half, there's less Bitcoins produced so it's the old supply, demand, and supply thing. The less supply there is, the more demand it is. Supposedly, it goes up in value is what a lot of people say. But think about it this way, too. While the U.S. currency, <laughs> the, the supply of it, has been going through the roof because they're just printing money like no tomorrow now because of the economy, the amount of Bitcoin has been going down. So in short, for you, Cynthia, the amount of Bitcoin is cut in half the amount of new Bitcoins, let me rephrase that, is cut in half every four years. And that's what the halving is. And we won't have another one till 2024 when it'll go to, what, three and an eighth, I guess, Bitcoins produced every 10 minutes. So that's the Bitcoin happening. Thanks for your question. And like I said, if anyone has a question out there, send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com and we'll try to get those on the show for you. Now I want to bring on our guest, very good friend of mine, or a friend of mine. I wouldn't say we're great friends yet, but we're working on it. Uh, the Bitcoin rabbi, Rabbi Caress. Michael, thanks for joining me on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Good to talk to you again, Gary. So was my explanation of the um, happening okay for you there? I tried to make it pretty simple. Yeah, I think that that's really uh, clear. And I think what's the emphasis is that it started with uh, 50 new Bitcoins at the beginning um, that every, every really, um, it's about like how many are given out every day. Um, so it used to be just a month ago, there was 1800 new Bitcoins created every single day. And those were, um, you know, sold on the market and had to be just to maintain the price had to be bought up 
1,800 new Bitcoins, and then that got cut in half. And eventually, um, over 100 years, that number is actually going to go down to zero. And that's where you get the max number of 21 million Bitcoins is the total that will ever be made. Um, And so that, you know, is uh, starkly different than any other kind of commodity or currency or anything else, which can just go on and on and seemingly to no end. Right. And that's and and that is getting back to what I said. It's a supply and demand issue for the most part. If the supply drops and the amount of people wanting it goes up, then as far as people who just look at Bitcoin as an investment vehicle, because there's a lot of people, Michael, that you know, all they care about is orange coin go up. That's all they care about. And this is what causes that to actually come into effect is the fact that the amount goes down. Now, I read, for instance, oh, I've not read this. I've seen this several times uh, in blogs that right now, Grayscale Capital, their investment firm is buying more Bitcoin every day than there is produced every day. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have seen that information. And you have to imagine, uh, you know, we've kind of been in in a Bitcoin price has been in what people call like an accumulation phase for the past couple months. It's just been hovering between 9,000 and 10,000 for uh, the entire month of May, the entire month of June. And um, but you have to imagine at some point there's just not going to be enough to uh, to, you know, on the market for the buyers. And so that's, you know, what people think of. I heard uh, it's been used a lot people call Bitcoin digital gold. But another alternative that really emphasizes this uh, scarcity or this uh, um, limited amount, the maximum number, is uh, to call it digital real estate. And, you know, everybody knows that when it comes to either, uh, you know, Manhattan property or L.A. or pick any, you know, popular city or something and you say you know there's only so much square footage there there's no more and when people want to live there there's no other option besides bidding up the price because you can't make more square footage in a city i mean you can build up and but you still can't make more uh you know square footage in the uh on the land so same kind of thing with bitcoin there's just however many there are and and if you run out or you know if the people uh aren't willing to sell at whatever price more there's more uh demand than supply then that's gonna push the price up yeah i always say when people talk about gold and i'm saying this because i think you may have a good point on your digital real estate when people call it digital gold or they compare gold as a way to uh, hold value against inflationary money, I always go, you know, they've been mining that gold now for thousands of years and they don't seem to be running out anytime soon to me. So I don't know how scarce that stuff really is in all reality. And now I read they're talking about the possibility of taking uh, spaceships and going out and picking up asteroids as they come by the planet that have a high gold content. Right. And there's also a feedback loop of the price of gold that as the price of gold increases, the um, value in mining gold increases. And so it, it they can then find more gold and dig up more gold and go to uh, asteroids and, and get more gold. So uh, that limits the uh, price appreciation because, at, you know, as the if gold went to, you know, hundred uh ten thousand dollars per ounce then people would be running out and to dig up gold from the ground but you can't do that with bitcoin no matter how much people want it 
no matter what the price goes, there's only going to be the set amount that there is. So it's very unique uh, to any other kind of commodity like that. Yeah, I, I think the set amount is the the thing that makes it so valuable. Well, I know it is because there are tons of currencies, as you know now, Michael. I, I don't know the exact number of cryptocurrencies are, and for people new into this, a lot of people after Bitcoin was made decided to make their own currencies, and there's got to be, I would guess, over 3,000 different currencies. I don't keep up with them because I'm just concerned with Bitcoin. That's why this is the Bitcoin for Boomers show. In the next segment, we're going to get into your book, Michael, because I think your book has a lot of things, or the way you explain your book has a lot of relevancy to how I think a lot of boomers would want Bitcoin explained. They don't want a lot of technical stuff. They just want to know the important information. And that's what you've done in your book. Now, we're going to go over that in just a minute with uh, Michael when we get back and go through his book and even more. So make sure and come back right after this message. And welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm Gary Leland. I'm your host, and this is the Bitcoin for Boomers show, where we just try to talk about Bitcoin, explain Bitcoin, but you don't have to be a boomer to enjoy the show. I mean, we're just going over information about Bitcoin, and I just happen to be a boomer, so it's a Bitcoin for Boomers show, but anyone's welcome to watch it. Now, on today, we are in the middle of an interview with uh, Rabbi Caress, Karis. <laughs> And, you know, Michael, let's get back into this. But I want to go straight to your book. You have a great book. It's a children's book called Bitcoin Money. And let's get into this. There it is right there. It's a short book, easy book, nice graphics. Tell us about, tell us about your book. How's sales been? Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that we are uh, talking about a children's book for Bitcoiners, for Bitcoin uh, on a Bitcoin for Boomers. Um, but uh, actually, uh, <laughs> one of the reviews that I have on the back is says, uh, uh, you know, you've been talking two years and this book is the only thing that made me be able to understand it signed from grandpa. So for sure, it's definitely uh, meant for um kids and boomers it's really a beginner's book uh for bitcoin it's kind of disguised as a children's book but it's got all of the important topics um you know it's been selling for it's been out for over a year now uh we have had it translated into i think seven different languages uh it's sold all over the world it's been featured at at conferences and so i'm i've been so thankful uh it really turned out to be a hit uh beyond what i ever even imagined um so we're still it's still on sale on amazon and on my website which was a whole fun process of setting that up as well because i accept bitcoin for uh you know the book you know it sells for bitcoin so that was a whole learning experience a whole process and uh it's just been a lot of fun I've, I've taken with me i've gotten to talk to people like you and and all different people in the bitcoin space uh, about it so that's been one of the best aspects of it what made you decide to write it as a children's book well i myself have uh five children um and uh, my oldest is now eight. Uh, she was seven when the book came out. And I um, started with, I have a presentation that I give actually to synagogues and Jewish groups um, to adults that's called Bitcoin and Judaism. And in it, I talk about 
um, money from a Jewish perspective, money in the Bible, money in Jewish law, ethical aspects of it. And then I compare that and bring it to Bitcoin and see where there's some overlap in um, in ethical ideas or or in legal um, issues about Bitcoin from a Jewish perspective. So I have all this material. I have this presentation and I tried to condense it to make a it's basically Bitcoin for beginners in a 45 minute presentation. And I just you know, thought that I'm talking about this, I'm sharing this information, and I wanted to condense it even tighter. Um, and uh, it's based off is really, to be honest, one of my main inspirations in, in this book is a book by uh, Peter Schiff, the famous gold bug, that he is a, uh, him and really his father wrote it as a comic book, and then uh, he elaborated on it called um, uh, How, How Economies... I forget what it's called, how economies grow and why they fall. Um, And it takes the story of how an economy is built and kind of does it with cute uh, pictures of fishermen and kind of a whole economy built on that. So I did a similar thing. It's economy built with little kids doing chores like a lemonade stand or mowing lawns or something. And it's just explaining really it's not about the technology of Bitcoin. It's which it's about the money aspect of Bitcoin, which is what I think is the most important when you're explaining to people, you know, they don't know how their cell phone works. They don't know how the Internet works. You know, I don't know how batteries work or anything like that, but I know what money is just like, you know, I don't know how the technology of us chatting here together over video, but I know that we're communicating. And so money is about communicating an idea, a shared idea uh, through society. And that's what's what's important to people. And so really, I just talk about that and I wanted to share with children with beginners I give it to everybody you know I my mailman comes by he sees some my packages say Bitcoin I give him a you know a copy uh, all different kinds of people and they really appreciate it it doesn't overboard them with all kinds of blockchain and all kinds of complicated things it really just gets straight to the point um, of you know what are the properties of money why gold was a kind of money and silver and you know how we got to US dollars in a pretty simple sense and how Bitcoin has advanced advantages over those things. And for people who are interested, they can find your book at the bitcoinrabbi.com, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's bitcoinmoneybook.com okay. and it's Bit- also on Amazon. If you look up Bitcoin money or even just type Bitcoin in Amazon, it comes up pretty high up there. Yeah, I want to make sure now speaking of what you were talking about just a second ago, I find it interesting about how people may not know how a telephone works or or how a TV works or how this communication we're using works. Uh, but they know what they're doing, and, and the same thing applies to money. And I talked to Mac, Max Kaiser from the Kaiser Report last week, and we were talking on the same subject, and he said he felt that that's not needed to be explained anymore. Bitcoin's been around long enough that enough people know it exists, that they know it's there, that they have a concept of what it is, and they don't need to know how it works, but they do know it's there, and they... that. People explaining Bitcoin now don't have to rationalize and go through the whole step like maybe we were doing five years ago from the very beginning. It's blockchain, Satoshi Sakamoto made it, all this stuff. You know, we don't need to do that anymore and just start explaining the money part of it. And that makes me want to ask you, is Bitcoin money? Well, the title money and so is it money i mean you could say that lots of things 
uh, can be used as money. Um, Bitcoin's primary um, role, primary usage is money. Like, is gold money? I mean, gold definitely is used as money. It's used as a store of value. Some ways, it's used as a as a um, it has been used as a unit account and as a, a means of of transfer. Um, but uh, not all gold is money. It's used for jewelry or all kinds of other things. Um, but Bitcoin pretty much exists basically just to be money that's what its invention was and that's what it does in an excellent way i think you know that it does it in a much better way than any of the other uh forms of money including physical things like uh precious metals or um or even the the current fiat money system that we have so yes bitcoin is money and i argue that it's the best kind of money that we've ever seen well i think one thing we can say for sure if you were trying to flee Hong Kong right now, it'd be a lot easier probably to get out with uh, uh, some Bitcoin than it would be with uh, 500 pounds of gold if you were rich. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or any of the kinds of fiat currencies of whether that's I don't know what the Hong Kong dollar is or the Chinese uh, yuan or any kind of money or, or U.S. dollars. I mean, anytime you're doing that, you're basically relying on a trusted third party, a bank or a payment process or something like that to hold on to your money and hopefully give it back to you when and how and right, the right amount uh, that you ask for. Um, with Bitcoin, uh, you don't have those issues. And so, you know, I talk to people when I'm talking to my Jewish audience um, that they, you know, and, and it doesn't have to just be Jewish people. People look back to to wartime and and uh, you know I talk about uh, World War II and lots of refugees and uh, you know that's my family history and tell them about you know what if you could have brought money with you what if you had something that couldn't as easily be confiscated uh, that's a value proposition that maybe um, older people can appreciate because they've seen it and they know that uh, that's happened all throughout history people have been dislocated you know uh, dislocated from their uh, land and, and and sent away and they might need to they take I you know my family came to this country with with you know a nickel in their pocket a ruble in their pocket and nothing else uh, but with Bitcoin you can take you know your money in your brain uh, so that's very novel and I think that's a real good thought that I haven't thought of in that perspective that you're saying that uh, someone who was their ancestors more recently were immigrants would have more of an understanding of how useful that would be, I think, than someone who, like my ancestors, for instance, came over in like the 1600s. So, mm -hmm. you know, we haven't had to flee, or no one alive knows anyone who had to flee, you know, in my family, mm -hmm. where your grandparents or maybe your great-grandparents, but somebody you can relate to has been able to pass that story down. Let's go over that a little bit more when we get back from this break. And we're going to be back with uh, Rabbi... Caress, Caress. Why can't I say your name right? We'll be back with Rabbi Caress in just a moment. Hello, and welcome back. I'm Gary Leland, and this is the Bitcoin for Boomers show. But as I said earlier, this is really Bitcoin for anyone. I just happen to be a boomer, so it's the Bitcoin for Boomers show. I hope you've been watching and enjoying. And I want to get back to Michael, Rabbi Caress, about Bitcoin. Got it right that time. <laughs> That's right. I thought you made a really good point at the end of uh, our last segment about how if you if your ancestors, I guess, came to America more recently, uh, like a hundred within a hundred years ago, you really have a much deeper understanding, maybe because 
someone's been able to actually tell you about not being able to bring their money with you than someone who's been here, let's say, 200 years, their family. Because um, by 200 years, there's no one around telling you any stories or passing them down. And you mentioned a friend of ours whose parents came here from Russia, and uh, Jan Pritzker, and he told us that his parents had to leave all their money, is what he told me. They came here with nothing. And so those people who yeah. have to come here later, or came here, all people came with no money, most people, but the people who came more recently, especially from like Russia or countries like that, came here with nothing. And they understand the value of having a money that you could memorize information. Basically, you can memorize your wallet address, and when you get here, access your Bitcoin. Where you can't do that with paper money or gold or whatever. If they say you can't take it with you, you can't take it with you. Um, so that was an interesting point you brought up. Yeah, Jan um, is a mutual friend of ours through the Bitcoin space, and he came to America as a kid. Uh, and I also have other friends um, who, uh, you know, had to come from the Soviet Union um, in either the late '80s or the early '90s, and and that's the way it was. Living in America, our experience, especially over the past few decades, um, as far as inflation, as far as stability, uh, we may not realize how common it is. Um, to have issues of uh, currency collapse. But all you have to do is look at less stable countries. I mean, right now, today, Lebanon is having a currency collapse um, and they are seeing, uh, you know, their their money being hyperinflated. It's happening in Venezuela. It's happened in various uh, African countries. It's happened in uh, Israel. It's it's it really has happened uh, in many places, real uh hyperinflation um but it's not something that we see you know in our day-to-day -day life but even inflation in certain ways has uh hit america you really you could say that my initial interest in bitcoin came from uh growing up and and not so much experiencing hard inflation but hearing about it um I actually, my, my father would tell me when I was a kid and he would take me to uh, the movie. And when I was a kid, I don't know what they cost now, but when I was a kid, it was eight bucks. I think now it might be two or three times that for a ticket. 35 but, uh, cents he would take when I was a there. kid. 35 cents when oh, I was well, a kid. Well, that's what he, so, okay. So my dad's a, close to your age. I mean, the way he tells it is when I was a kid, a movie <laughs> ticket cost a quarter. And when my father was a kid, it cost five cents for two tickets. And my mother would send to the theater with two cents, and she would tell me to find a rich kid who had three cents so that we could get in together. So, you know, we all see it uh, that that even in, with mighty United States dollar, uh, that inflation does occur. And people are seeing it right now. I just saw a thread. Everybody's commenting how, you know, it's related to, to COVID and all of this, but that the price of everything is going up uh, drastically right now when nobody is getting uh, pay raises and nobody, you know, in unemployment is, is at a terrible level. And, you know, the stabi financial stability is not great, but all the prices at the stores are, are going up. Um, so it's related to instability, related to inflation, but uh, you know, for sure that you would wouldn't be so worried about that if you had a really solid hard money that uh, you know is not they're not going to go out and print another trillion pieces of paper of it. You know, an interesting story on that. In February, someone bought something online for me from the Netherlands, and it was approximately I'm going to say nine hundred dollars and change, or it was eighty eight hundred and ninety five euros. They sent me the receipt, and I saw both ways. 
and the sale didn't process properly. We couldn't get it, so they asked for the refund, which I was happy to give. So I gave them back their 900 whatever dollars. But now this was in February that I got the sale from them. Now it's July, five months later. Instead of getting the 850 or 60 euros, they got 90 euros less when I sent them back the, 890, the $900. So hmm. I was kind of confused that the dollar could have dropped against uh, the euro so much that they would get $80 less in five months. I mean, that happened today. I was looking at that. I was kind of confused. Um, but that's inflation. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't looked at that specific uh, ratio recently. I, I'm yeah. also surprised to hear that. Yeah, I was just kind of confused on that. How they I, I sent them back the 800 or the 900 something dollars, and they got like 80 less euros back than they paid for the 900 dollars in five months. But you know, everybody's. I mean, the Fed expects your money to go down in value at least two percent a year. That's what that's their goal. Their goal is to is to achieve that. That's, yeah, that's their know, goal. They're happy with two percent a year. <laughs> In 100 years, you're going to lose 98% value. But Bitcoin is a hedge against that. Would you agree that that's one of the value properties of Bitcoin is not only that you can move from one country to another with your money or not that it may be going up in value, but it's a hedge against inflation? I can't say that I'm an expert economist. And I know that there are lots of people that... Uh, claim the benefits of MMT, modern monetary theory, or, or Keynesian, or neo-Keynesian. Uh, you know, I, I can't, this is not my my expertise. I went to school to be a rabbi. And so uh, that's, you know, I try and fit these things into uh, a Jewish perspective. Um, but the, you know, for me personally, if you want to ask me, do I want a money that can be controlled, that can be censored, that can be confiscated, that can be invented and, and printed away, or do I want one that's run by uh, an algorithm, a mathematical uh, equation that, that perfectly sets it up and I know exactly what it is, everything's transparent. For me, that's the kind of money that I want. And I think the more people realize that th these are the options that they have, the more people are going to want a money that you know, seems to work more fairly. You know, one of the things that I think people want to know, which we haven't gone over at all in the show is where people, this is what people will ask me. When the first thing boomers ask me is where do you get Bitcoin? I mean, where do I get this Bitcoin at? That's what they always say. Um, well, there are basically three ways to get Bitcoin. Um, the easiest is to buy it um, generally from an exchange. Um, those are places where there are some people that are selling Bitcoin and some people buying it and they, you know, are, you register just like you would register with like any, like a Robinhood app is a, or, or any kind of stock, uh, purchasing, uh, you know, you want to buy something like that. It's a website, you log in and you can buy and sell Bitcoin. Um, uh, there's, you know dozens of them in the United States and that's the easiest way the next uh, way to do it um, is to earn Bitcoin which is a little trickier because a lot of Bitcoiners don't want to spend their Bitcoin meaning if you have a business and you sell a product or a service you can ask people but we're not really at that level where we have a circular economy unless you're dealing with someone else in the Bitcoin business um, so you know I sell a Bitcoin book to people interested in Bitcoin so some of them pay me in Bitcoin most maybe half do and half don't um it's harder if you're selling 
you know, blinds or shoes or whatever, some kind of tchotchka. Most of your audience aren't users of Bitcoin and don't want to spend it. But that that it is possible um, to, to do that. And then the third is actually a way that's almost impossible for any regular person to do, which is mining Bitcoin, which is if you are running a computer, which uh, runs the Bitcoin software, it burns electricity and secures, does calculations that secure the Bitcoin network. Um, that's called mining. And so you can earn Bitcoin. You have to have a special uh, specialized computer for that. But and you have to have very cheap electricity or else you're going to end up losing money because it burns a lot of electricity. So for most people, it's not efficient. It's only done in efficient ways where they have like factories that that have very cheap electricity in very specific locations where they're, you know, connected to uh, energy plants. So that's where they do it. But those are so buying it is the way most people are going to be able to do it is that you go to exchange. And what's so cool is that when you buy the Bitcoin, then it's your when it's on the exchange, it's really just like an IOU. But with Bitcoin, you can actually you can make your own wallet, which is like an app on your phone or on your computer or even print it out on paper and then you have it and then it's yours that's what's so cool and welcome back to the bitcoin for boomers show i'm gary leland we're having a great topic today a great talk with rabbi karis did i get that right this time <laughs> michael did i get that right this time finally you perfect took me almost the whole show <laughs> i finally got it right you know um I have a couple of questions I want to find out from you real quick because this is our last segment. How did you personally find out about Bitcoin? What was your Bitcoin discovery moment? Well, the the first time I ever really heard of it was you know, towards the beginning, but um, you know, 2010 or 2011, it made some kind of news. The price went up, the price went down, and uh, it was not something that really caught my eye. I thought it was like a video game currency or something. Um, and I looked, uh, we actually just looked back. My my brother was actually mining Bitcoin at that point, but he didn't save his files, so those are gone. Uh, so that's the way it goes. But I re really discovered it and and jump back into it in 2017 like a lot of people um you know it was again all over the news uh, i was hitting new all-time highs the price went over one thousand dollars per bitcoin went up to twenty thousand dollars per bitcoin and uh i started to really take a look at it and say you know what is this and uh, I I dove in pretty pretty deep into this. Um, I, you could say a joke that uh, represents this idea. As a person said, you know, I I fell into quicksand. I was up to my ankles in it. And it sounds oh that's not so bad. Yeah, but I went in head first. <laughs> so that was me. That was me in uh, jumping into Bitcoin head first. A lot of time, a lot of podcasts, a lot of reading, and I just it it. It really spoke to me in many different ways. The technology, I've always kind of been a techie person. I liked the uh, the economics. I always kind of was interested in Austrian economics into libertarian philosophy. And so a lot of these things, um, you know, and I started speak, speaking to people in the community. And as you know, the Bitcoin community is one of the most uh, welcoming and friendly and nice uh, communities that if you want to learn and you want to listen and they'll just uh, welcome you in and, and uh, are happy to teach and happy to share like we're doing here today. And so that's one of the, the best things. So I've been here since 2017, uh, listening and learning and then sharing what information I have. I give classes to my Jewish community. Um, you know, I try and share Bitcoin information to them and I try and share Jewish information to my Bitcoin friends. 
Well, uh, your story and my story are very similar in almost the same amount of time that we've got into it. And exactly, uh, I love that heads first because I think I was the same way. They <laughs> I was up to my ankles, uh, but heads first. I, I haven't heard that before, but I like that a lot. Michael, I want to tell you thank you for coming on the show. It's really been great of you. And how can people keep up with you? What's the best way to... Uh, to uh, find you if someone wants to discover uh, you and see what you're up yeah, to. Yeah, so uh, if you want to find all of my stuff, it's thebitcoinrabbi.com. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot, at thebitcoinrabbi. Um, my messages are open, you know. I'm happy to talk to anybody. I really like to try and help out where I can, um, you know, whether it's religious questions, whether it's Bitcoin questions. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out there, and uh, I, I just love interacting with all the different types of people. It's one of the best parts of being in Bitcoin. Is there anything you might have wanted to cover that I might have missed? I want to make sure I don't miss something that you might have wanted to cover or say. Yeah, well, maybe your audience is just kind of wondering, you know, what is a Bitcoin rabbi? What does that mean? You know, I'm an Orthodox rabbi, and uh, I, that's what I studied. Um, and, you know, one of the maybe misconceptions people have is that uh, Jewish people are actually very much interested in technology and all different kinds of ways that people can better their lives. Uh, you know, we believe that just like all the nature in the world was created by God, you know, I believe that all of technology is also part of God's creation and that it's there for us to use for good to better mankind, better ourselves and, and better our fellows. So that's what I'm trying to bring to this space and emphasize that all that's what all the point of all of these technologies are for. So that's what a Bitcoin rabbi believes in. That sounds like a pretty good thing to believe in. We both are believing in the same thing there, my friend. Thanks again for coming on the show. We'll be talking soon, I'm sure. And, uh, Keep spreading the word about Bitcoin, my friend. Thanks. Okay. That was a great interview. I love Michael. He is uh, to the point. He appreciates Bitcoin. The book he wrote was great. Make sure you check out his book. You're going to love it if you've got children. I gave a copy to my grandchildren. I, I think it's a great book. Hey, Travis, have we got any more questions from uh, anyone? Uh, that we can answer. We got a little bit of time left yes. here. What do we got? Yes, yes, sir. Well, we have another question from Robbie Summers in LA. And uh, Robbie wants to know that a friend of theirs recommended that they buy cryptocurrency uh, named Ethereum. Excuse me. And just wanted to know what your thoughts are on Ethereum. Well, Robbie from LA, <laughs> I don't care about Ethereum. This is a Bitcoin boomer. All I care about is Bitcoin. I don't care about Ethereum. I don't care about Litecoin. I don't care about any of it. All I care about is Bitcoin. I do know this. Ethereum at one time was maybe $1,500, and now it's $300. So from the high, what is that, like a 20% of the value? Where now, Bitcoin, its high was 20, and it's basically at 9, so almost, almost half from its low. So... Other currencies, other cryptocurrencies have a tendency to have way too big a wild swings for me from price ranges of up to down. So I'm just really not into other currencies. So if anyone sends me questions like that, Travis, just throw them away from now on because <laughs> I don't care about anything else except for Bitcoin. That's why this is the Bitcoin for Boomer show, not the crypto for crazy people show. <laughs> Got that, Travis? 
I hope you understand it. Hey, I do want to go over again. If you do have a question about Bitcoin, make sure and send it to GaryLeland at gmail.com. That's GaryLeland at gmail.com. And I'll try to answer your questions for you if they're about Bitcoin. But that may be the last crypto question we're going to get. I also want to make sure you know about the conference I'm hosting for Bitcoin. It is called BitBlock Boom. That's in Dallas, Texas. And it's a Bitcoin conference, not a cryptocurrency conference and not an Ethereum conference. Uh, we're having to work out some logistics for this year's with social distancing and everything going on. But I think we've got to figure it out. So everything should go smoothly this year. I'm trying to find a sponsor right now for face masks. So you want to sponsor face masks for everybody to wear during the conference with your logo on them. Give me an email at GaryLeland at gmail.com and we'll give you some pricing on being the face mask sponsor. Good way to get in front of a bunch of Bitcoiners, that's for sure. A different kind of exposure. <laughs> different kind. But it's right in front of their eyes. <laughs> when they're talking to someone, it'll be right in front of their eyes if your ad's on in front of everybody's face. And they may wear it everywhere they go. Actually, it's pretty good exposure. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I also want to tell you about another show I do. It's a four-minute crypto show. I do that every weekday. One news article every weekday about Bitcoin. It's a four-minute Bitcoin show. And it's one news article every day about Bitcoin in four minutes or less. So if you want to find out something about Bitcoin, check out 4minutebitcoin.com. Certainly you have enough time to dedicate four minutes a day to learning Bitcoin. I suggest you do whatever you can to learn Bitcoin. This is a tidal wave coming. You know, as our money keeps printing, you're going to need a safety valve, I believe. And I'm a big believer in Bitcoin. I can't say that enough. I truly do. Now, I hope you join us next week. We'll have another guest. <laughs> I don't know who that is at the moment, but we definitely will have a great guest next week. Travis, you know who we have lined up for next week? No, actually, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so neither one of us know. We'll so, get them there. <laughs> So this is kind of like some filler time in case you haven't figured it out. You know, I'll, you'll find one thing about me. I'm pretty straight to the point there. I'm going to tell you what's going on. So next week we'll have a guest with us, hopefully. You know, I think Travis's show has gotten better every week. The first week we were all in a jumble. The second week we had a great guest but halfway are in a jumble. Third week we had a great guest and we were hardly a little bit into a jumble. That's, so That's right, that's right. So by the, by the fourth week... We should have this pretty much down, I believe. And I want to thank Viz TV Studios uh, for letting us do the show here and bring us on the air. This has been a blast to figure out here. Now, we're going to come back in a few minutes with our closing segments of the show. And when we do, I've got kind of like a little, little peeve on my mind here I want to go over and make sure everybody knows uh, what I'm thinking about here on the subject. Welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomers show. I'm Gary Leland, your host, also known as the Bitcoin Boomer. I hope you've enjoyed our show today and you come back tomorrow. But before I leave, I have a few comments to make. You know, at the moment, the world is in turmoil and the Fed, well, they're printing money like never before. Many citizens believe they're special and they should be, no, let me take that back, not should be, that they deserve to be taken care of. You know, earlier this year, Andrew Yang ran for president and his platform was to start a universal basic income and give every citizen $1,000 a month. 
Now, at the time, that seemed pretty far-fetched. It actually seemed like crazy talk to many people. But now, with everything that's been going on, many people don't think the idea of universal basic income is that far-fetched at all. My question to you is, if the government can just print all of the money they need, why do we even pay income taxes? Why do we have taxes? Why don't they just create as much money as they need to do whatever they need it for? Why? Because that won't work. You can't create an unlimited amount of money and not expect a negative reaction. Our money will drop in value against other currencies around the world. The day will come when the dollar may drop drastically in value against the yuan, the franc, the yen, and even the euro. The prices of goods will rise at a rate that we've never seen before. For years, people have invested in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Now that we may see inflation on steroids, it's more important than ever to find that hedge. And I personally think that while gold may act as a hedge, I feel Bitcoin will act as a hedge like digital gold. Bitcoin has a limited supply of 21 million, unlike gold. You know, they've been digging up gold literally forever and they still haven't run out. But with 21 million being the limit on Bitcoin, it may be the most limited thing on the planet. Yes, Bitcoin is truly limited. Now, I don't want you to just take my word on this. I want you to do your own research. Get on the internet, go to the library, wherever, and at least try to find out all you can about Bitcoin. The internet's full of information, blogs, podcasts, videos. So go find out today about Bitcoin. I hope you've enjoyed today's show, and I hope you join us again next week for the Bitcoin Boomers show. I've had a blast, and like I said, I hope you had too. So thanks for joining us once again. I'm Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer, your host on the Bitcoin for Boomers show. And be sure and share, share the show with your friends. Tell, your, tell everyone you know about it. We want everyone to learn about Bitcoin and what it can do for you and what it can do for them.